Breaking to Breaking Cafe with Bowdrin and Barry. That's a private joke between Barry and myself. So uh, it's episode 198 of your favorite Peabody and Sherman award-winning podcast. Barry, as this debuts, as it, as they say in the business, drops, I will be on vacation, my friend. How excited are you, Jeff? It's a well-earned vacation. Thank you very kindly. When was the last real vacation you had? Uh, I guess Nashville, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. I guess Nashville. Yeah, okay, enjoyed, so that's... Enjoyed some time in Nashville with our friends Mona and Jim. And, and Chris. Uh, you know, and Chris. Yeah, and, exactly, Chris Lyle. And uh, so anyway, so we're, uh, as I said last uh, last week, hidden south. But I'm not going to reveal anything because there's some surprise elements uh, as to what will be uh, ongoing. So on this very fine episode, episode 198, two away from 200, Barry, this week, our match of the week, we are going to Japan. Barry and I, uh, Barry, I, I think it's safe to say, in all the episodes we've done, all the matches that we've looked at, do I do I sound correct when I say that one of the favorite matches you've ever reviewed for us here on this show was the Madison Square Garden match between uh, Adrian Adonis, Dick Murdoch, and Jack and Jerry Briscoe? Would that be fair to say? It's not only fair. I think we can take it one step further. That may be... One of my favorite matches of all time that I, I wasn't at live, something that I've seen via YouTube or, or tape that I think that is one of my favorite matches that I've ever seen. Yes. Okay, I love yes. it. So we're going to look at one of their matches from December 7th, 1984. We are going to the rings of new Japan wrestling as what? they take on Antonio Inoki and Tatsumi Fujinami. I want to say this is the finals of the new Japan tag team tournament that year. So because uh, based on some th- stuff that happens after the match is over, uh, it looks as though this is the end of the uh, the tag team tournament that, of course, at the time, New Japan, All Japan, uh, both uh, they they were doing for years and years and years. So besides that, we are also going to be looking at Seinfeld phrases that perhaps to this day people still use. We're going to be offering up our favorite ice cream flavors as uh, given to us by a fine article, I believe, from the top10s.com. Uh, but before we do, just a couple of real quick things, Barry. Uh, you know, because of our recording schedule being a tad skewed in the last couple of weeks with vacations, et cetera, uh, last week we didn't get a chance to mention uh, the passing of Charles Robinson from oh. Night Court. And, of course, we had Marsha Warfield on here. Oh. And I saw a very poignant message posted on Twitter by Marsha Warfield about her friend Charles Robinson. Uh, very sad death, Barry. So th- this is arguably one of the sadder celebrity deaths maybe of all time for me. And I, I'll, I, this is, I'm going to explain why and, and try to make some sense of it. But when we, when we had Marsha Warfield on, which is probably six months ago, give or take, I don't remember exactly. I did a deep dive back into night court and I got to tell you as much as I might've liked night court from my memories from 30 years ago, it became a daily staple of my life. Laugh TV plays it every day. Uh, they j- always play it in the morning. And it was, as some people turn on a radio or read a newspaper, I flipped on Laugh TV. I sat down with coffee and I watched Night Court. I guess I've seen every episode five, six, seven times. And Charles Robinson is kind of like an unsung hero to that show. You know, a lot of people will say Bull was, you know, because he was the bigger character. Uh, Harry was the star. John Larroquette probably had the best lines. 
But Charles Robinson was like the glue that was holding a lot of this together. And he, he came across as a really great guy on the show. Turns out in real life, he was a really great guy. And today, coincidentally, and I don't, maybe it wasn't Jeff, I don't know. I was watching an episode of My Name is Earl and Charles Robinson was on as a doctor. And it was just, yeah, it was just one of those like bizarre things. So I'm really, I'm really kind of broken up about that. Never met the man, you know, and you know how it is. Like you, you don't meet people, but you become attached. You become attached through either their voices, their body of work, whatever it is. I was such a fan of this guy. He could do no wrong. He's also, he had a, uh, had a role in the TV show, mom. I don't know if you've ever seen it with Anna Ferris. And he was on there playing a blind neighbor. And I, I was watching the show. He's been on for a couple of years and just a, a solid actor, a guy, Jeff, that I would have loved to have had on our podcast to be able to talk. But uh, yeah, really, really bummed out by this one. Yeah. And uh, just uh, for the edification, I think that's the first time I've ever wow. used the word edification, Barry. Yeah. Uh, uh, the role that Charles Robinson played on Night Court of the Clerk, that's uh, ostensibly what I did. Uh, right? My job was to hand the uh, the file to the judge and keep track of the records. So yeah, very appreciative of the uh, the fine work that Charles Robinson did on that show because he was essentially doing the job that I had. So I completely understood. So we raise an adult beverage uh, to the fine uh, memory of uh, of Charles Absolutely. Robinson. Rest in peace, our friend. Uh, and uh, and as Marshall Warfield uh, very poignantly said, uh, you know, I, I thought my friend that you would live forever, and it was very sad. But uh, we wish uh, wish him Godspeed. So, Barry, uh, before we go to the match, I did want to bring up one other thing that I just sent you the day that we record this. Barry, a great sign <laughs> that we saw, uh, and I will post this in a group. Uh, apparently, you know, Barry and I have, have spoken at length, I think, on this show about the the problems facing the food service industry. Uh, Barry, just going to go on a limb. Are you a fan of Burger King by any chance? I'm really not. Okay. Least. Yeah. <laughs> I will say Burger King's yeah. not my go-to place. Okay. No. It's also not the place that I think is the crappiest fast food restaurant. Sure. It's like somewhere in the middle. And I think that's being fair. You know, it's not your high end in and out burger, but it's not like checkers or, or some uh, really, uh, really crappy place like that either. It's like in the middle. Uh, yep. uh, I believe by the way, the fine uh, corporate uh, location where the uh, Burger King a franchise started at uh, South Florida, Barry. That but anyway, that is yeah. correct. Yeah. So what happens is I'm I'm looking online and I see this sign. Apparently, I think it was Nebraska. This uh, Burger King location was a tad overwhelmed uh, with all the problems with people uh, not coming back to work, people not wanting to go out and find work. And what happened was. Essentially, for a uh, a restaurant that is usually staffed by, according to the article, seven to eight people, they would usually have two to three people show up to handle a shift. And as you can imagine, that puts a little bit of strain on the staff. And I'm very sympathetic towards that. So what happened was the employees posted a sign on the uh, you know the Burger King sign, and underneath they usually you know if they got a special going on or something like that, and the sign posted was. We all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience. And apparently every person that worked at the restaurant quit because they were so tired of being shit on. And uh, wow, Barry, this, this was this is pretty awesome. I think you'll agree that this this is take this job and shove it to the next level. And it, it really was awesome. And the truth is, 
the way things are going across this country and, and with restaurants and, and especially quick serve restaurants, these employees should have no trouble finding jobs. I can quickly tell you the Madeira Beach, which is on the West Coast, the Madeira Beach McDonald's is hiring, Jeff, starting pay, fourteen fifty per hour for starting pay. That is absolutely uh, just inconceivable. Every single business in Orlando is hiring. Disney World, uh, which is tremendously short-staffed, is hiring housekeeping help, Jeff, with full-time hours, benefits, and a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That is unbelievable. So I have to think that these people that quit Burger King, they can walk right across the street to Sonic or uh, Checkers, as you just mentioned, or McDonald's, whatever else is out there probably make more money. And you know what it is? This is a wake-up call for owners and management that have treated their staff like shit for the last 50 years or however long it's been. This is a true wake-up call that employees make your businesses work. If you treat your employees like shit, you're not going to have a business. Now is the time, people. Pay the employees a fair wage and treat them as human beings. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this, you know, my wife and I went out to dinner uh, a couple nights ago, and there's a place here. It's not a chain. It's a place called Tacos and Tequila, and it's mm. one of the better Mexican places around here. And when we got there, I want to say this was like a, like a Wednesday or a Thursday night. This was not like a Saturday night or anything. And there was a, there was a, a wait where they said it's going to be like, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. Hold on one second. Take a swig of uh, some Mountain Dew for the working man. Thank you very kindly. And so because of the wait, when we got seated, we got seated quicker than that because it was just two of us. As we sat down, we were noticing the line and we noticed there were some tables that were empty, yet there was the line. So when the girl came over, I said, are you guys having difficulties uh, with uh, being understaffed? And she like looks at me and just shakes her head and she goes, yeah, absolutely. And that's you know part of the problem why there's a line here. It's something that's affecting everyone, Barry. It is. And it's, I, I can tell you too. So I, uh, first off, let me go on record. Let me make this official, Jeff. This is you start Hold taking on, notes. We're going on the record. We're going go on, on the, the records. I, I have begun a love affair with Culver's that's going to result in one of us getting pregnant. And I got to tell you, I, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah. Something I need to know about Barry. I, I may be referring to me with the, uh, <laughs> one of us. I uh, no, I was talking about me at mere Culver's is going to get knocked up. <laughs> Just wanted to clear that up there. Uh, this, this love affair runs so deep, and my daughter, who is uh, completely forsaken shake, uh, shake Shack for Culver's, we're obsessed with it. We must have eaten at Culver's. Even Do if you was... love Culver's more than Ozzy? No. Well, I, Ozzie, okay, I'm just checking. No, I wanted to no, see what kind of limits yeah, we're going to. Yeah, we're different, Ozzy. Look at Ozzy looking at me. Ozzy, I love you so much more than Culver's. But even Ozzy loved Culver's. The French fries, the pretzel bites. But we must have eaten there eight or nine times. Not always. I hear somebody barking. Oh, that's, always, uh, that's Gunny saying that he loves Culver's too. Ozzy, Ozzy, Gunny's barking on the. Do you hear, hear him? Ozzy's getting up. Gunny's barking. Oz, can you hear it? He's he saying hello to Oz. Yeah, and Oz, Oz came over on the couch, sat right next to me to uh, to listen to this. So we ate at Culver's a lot. I think we ate at five or six different Culver's as well. And uh, I got to just tell you, it is spectacular. It, everything about it. But the one Culver's that we liked the best, which was in Seminole, Florida, 
They have gators out in their lake, which was pretty cool. We showed up one day and it was an hour wait for food because there were only three employees in house, one of those being a manager. Other people had either not shown up, called off, whatever it is. So, uh, so this is a serious issue going on nationwide that's affecting everybody. Uh, there is a boom going on when it comes to restaurants currently, whether it's quick serve or full service. But at the same time, th- this really is an inherent issue. And a lot of people will tell you, you know, it's unemployment, yada, yada. It's all this other stuff. No, it's workers being treated like shit from owners and management for so many years. Did you uh, see the photo I just sent you there, my man? Let me take a look. And oh, there he is. Uh, he's a good looking boy, isn't he? Yep. Ozzy here. Smile. Smile. All right. Good boy, Oz. I'll expect one sent back. Now, let's talk about our match of the week. Again, as I said, we are going to, uh, oh, almost said February, December 7th, 1984, the Rings of New Japan Wrestling, because Barry, I decided I was going to give you another treat. Vacation. It's a gift. It's a uh, gift. Vaca- we are givers, Barry. A yes. vacation gift. Uh, yeah, I know you love the Adonis Murdoch team. By the way, you know, you talk about your uh, your great teams that roll off the tongue, the Briscoes, the Funks, the Midnight <laughs> Express. People forget about Adonis and Murdoch. And I realized that it's not like they were a 10-year team. Right. But, you know, people remember Adonis and Ventura, and maybe they should be remembering Adonis and Murdoch because, Absolutely. holy shit, they're a great friggin' team, uh, albeit uh, for not an extremely long period of time. But they take on Antonio Inoki and Tatsumi Fujinami. Barry, you had a chance to watch this match. Tell the good folks here at Breaking Cafe with Badron and Barry what you thought of this match. I mean, I this is this, this literally was a Christmas gift that came a little bit earlier. And sometimes I bristle a little bit at these 34-minute matches. Uh, well, 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 let me just say, this is not technically a 34-minute match. Because you get your ring intros, you get your trophy presentation at the end of the Maybe about a 28-minute match. Oh, yeah, it's 28-29. I mean, they're, they they get into it, like, fairly quickly. And let me say, that's one of the things I really love. Uh, Adonis and Murdoch take over this match almost immediately. They beat the shit out of Fujinami outside the ring, where they're both laying in these double hammers on him and at, like, lightning-like speed. But you, you said a couple of points, Jeff, and I want to say I think that you're 100% correct. Check. In that it, people will always remember Adonis and Ventura, and I think it's twofold. I think one is they were together longer. They were together for a, a couple of years. I don't think the Adonis Murdoch team really was together for too long. You know, eight months, nine months, it couldn't have been too long. But as a team, are they, at least for my generation, are they maybe the most underappreciated great tag team that had national exposure? Certainly, you've got teams we've talked about, Phil Hickerson and Dennis Condry. Anybody that ever saw them, Ron Fuller will tell you, they were out of this world. You know who we should ask whether they are an underrated team uh, that people have forgotten about, Barry? We should ask Greg Gagne. No, we should ask Jerry Briscoe at the Fan Fest. Upcoming in November in Lutz, Florida. Well, anyway. Absolutely. And Jeff, we I, as you uh, as you're doing what I usually do, which is just completely take a left turn. Uh, <laughs> that's usually what I do. I don't know why you're doing it right now, but uh, we we did sign the great Bugsy McGraw today. Oh. Bugsy will be in attendance. Bugsy will have copies of all three of his books. He's got his autobiography. He's got the scrapbook that everybody loved and also got a children's book. And he's probably going to have 
the big O masks that he was selling at one point as well. So Bugsy, very excited to be there. But we will ask Jerry Briscoe about that. I don't think Murdoch and Adonis were together too long, but they they're so good. And I, I could sit here, you know, and obviously I've raved about these guys previously. But this match, because as I started to watch it and I was going to watch it, you know, there was some trepidation going, you know what, they're in Japan. It could be completely, you know, it may be a Noki of all people. Was he going to sell for them? No, they, they, these guys look like a million dollars. They were just out of this world. Fantastic. This is truly, I truly believe this is one of the great teams that on paper shouldn't have worked. Murdoch and Adonis, for some reason, they don't seem like they would work at all. But my God, do these guys work well together and working with opponents. This match is phenomenal. I mean, right out of the gate, the way that they take over. Then you go through, you know, there's back and forth with the whole thing. And even the ending was great. I, uh, I, I can't get enough. And I, I'm now going to do the, the YouTube search to try to locate as much Murdoch and Adonis shit as I can. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's great about it, a couple of things I noticed about this match. Number one, uh, has there ever been a guy as incredibly over as Antonio Inoki who did less? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is like, it's very, this is a 28, 29 minute match. And I think Inoki's in the match, maybe seven minutes. This is Fujinami playing the guy that's getting worked over by the, uh, the dirty stinking Americans. And, you know, and he's fighting to, to, with everything he's got. He makes the tag. In. There's one moment where he makes the hot tag to Inoki, okay? And I think this is the first time. Uh, literally, I don't think Inoki came in the, ma- uh, the ring for the first 10 minutes of the match. Right. And Fujinami's just getting the stupid out of him. And Inoki makes the tag. He comes in. He does the clinch fist. And then he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he just, like, stands there. And, like, he kind of starts circling. I don't know if it was Murdoch or Adonis. And they lock up collar and elbow. And he puts on, like, a, a an arm bar or something like that. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, this was not Ricky Morton coming in after the hot tag, <laughs> let me just say. But when he, you know, when he's standing there and he's like, you know, you know how we used to always joke about how Michael Hayes, when he's a baby face, will do the foot stomp, you know, yeah. where he gets the end. It's like so annoying. Yeah. Uh, but Enoki, like just standing there, the crowd is like, Enoki, Enoki, and, and the guy tags in, he doesn't do anything. And then the second time he tags in, it's towards the end, you know, the latter part of the the match and stuff. And then he gets in and he shows fire. And the guy has, there's no denying for someone that's over. He's got fire. There's no question about it. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, he comes in and he shows his fire. But I just, like, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I mean, people talk about Hogan. They talk about Dusty. They talk about the great baby faces of all. But I got to tell you something, you know, in a situation like this, you know, Steve Austin, The Rock, these are guys that are great baby faces. When they tag in, they don't fucking sit there and just, like, do nothing except put a rest hold on somebody. They come in with fire and start kicking ass. And that's what I was waiting for Inoki to do. And when he locked up and puts, uh, I think it was Adonis in the in the arm bar, I was like, seriously? Seriously? That's what he's doing? A uh, couple other things. One of the moves that kind of caught my attention as I was just watching, and I kind of went, oh, that was kind of interesting was Adonis does a bulldog headlock. And I, I'm sure part of it was because of the camera angle, whatever. But when I saw it, I was like, that might be one of the best bulldog headlocks I've ever seen when he takes Fujinami down to the mat. That was great stuff. There's another move where uh, that I thought was kind of interesting. I think Murdoch uh, picks up Inoki like he's going to give him an atomic knee drop, okay? And he picks him up and he's holding him up there and Adonis is on the top rope and they're getting where Maybe it was reversed, I don't know. And they're getting ready to do like the uh, the move where 
They kind of clothesline him off the top rope as he's up, you know. And Inoki, as he's up and moving, and he's brought closer to the guy that's on the top rope, kicks the guy off the top rope, and he hits the mat and goes down to the floor. And I thought, wow, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen that that often. I thought that was a really unique way of, like, differentiating. Probably use of the word differentiate there, Bear. Uh, you know, and, but it was something different. And I thought that was really cool, Bear. Yeah, it was. Uh, and that, that is the first time I think we've actually used the word differentiate. There was a lot. I, the Enoki mystique to somebody outside of Japan, I think, has always been something that we've always questioned. You know, it, it's similar to Baba. But it, again, you go back and you watch Baba when he was younger. And I think you watch Enoki when he was younger. And certainly he was putting forth, you know, a, a better effort. But he had that, there's that almost amazing dusty-like charisma that all he had to do, which you, you were saying, all he had to do was get in the ring and the people are going to pop for it. He doesn't really have to do much, but Fujinami, man, what a workhorse. And he looks great in this match, Jeff. Yeah, and I got to say, uh, before I get to Fujinami, Inoki, giving credit where it's due, one of the consummate politicians uh, whether it's inside the ring, outside the ring, in the history of the wrestling industry. I, I mean, you know, you, you talk about how Hogan was a politician, how Dusty was a politician. And, of course, there were guys before that, and there's guys after that that have been, you know, the locker room politician. <clears throat> uh, Chris Z, I think you know the guy that I'm thinking about right there. So anyway, uh, you know, there have been politicians, but Inoki, man, he plays the audience like a fiddle. Credit due for that. He plays them like a fiddle because Fujinami, the poor guy, who's always seen as Inoki's understudy, uh, you know, he is just busting his ass, looks absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we, we good Lord, Barry, uh, over probably 150 episodes ago, uh, reviewed the match with Inoki and Fujinami from August 8th, 1988. How in the back of my brain, I still remember the date for that match, a 60-minute draw that was absolutely fucking amazing. And that was seemingly the match that really put Fujinami over as the finally the successor to Antonio Inoki. And then of course, within like three months, he ends up having back surgery. Quite right. frankly, I don't know if he was ever the same after that, but let me tell you something for the decade of the eighties. If you're talking about all time workers for a decade, Tatsumi Fujinami was incredible. And just, you know, a guy that, uh, you know, Barry, obviously Fujinami uh, appeared down in the Florida rings. I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, quite a few times. Am I right? Yeah, he was there. I, I saw him at least a couple of times, but yeah, he he would come in. Yeah, you're right. You know what I think a lot of it was, too? I think I think he was overshadowed. Fujinami as a worker was tremendous, but he was always somehow he was always overshadowed. And I, I don't think it helped putting like uh, the junior title on him. You know, that that to me, that title in so many ways was like the kiss of death. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sure it was like some sort of bone that Inoki wanted to yeah. throw him. But in doing so, it, you know, it kind of lessened him. You know, th that was the, a title, Tiger Mask, when they made him, uh, you know, that, that uh, they gave him that belt. He was the perfect guy for that belt. Fujinami right. was a guy that, that they should have, you know, eventually put in that. And Lord knows, it's hard when you've got somebody that's a Dusty, a Hogan, an Inoki type figure to get that next guy in line that can take that, uh, you know, take that spot and run with it. It's really hard. To do that and, and i get that and uh fujinami was the guy and fujinami was the guy choshu was the guy maida was the guy there were lots of guys in that new japan uh locker room that could have taken that spot 
But Inoki held on to that thing like grim death, and he did not want to give that spot up. I, I get it. I understand. But, you know, it, it's it's hard to give up that spot when you've got it, Bear. Yeah, and look, I, we, I mean, my God, have we seen so much political bullshit take place uh, in the U.S. because of giving up your spot. But uh, Fujinami was the right guy. And it's always, you know, when you look at it, too, it was Giant Baba and Jumbo Sharuda, and then it was Inoki and Fujinami. And I think that, you know, in the scope of things, I, I truly do feel like Fujinami would always be overshadowed, not just by the specter, if you will, of— Ooh, good uh, use of the word specter, Bear. Yeah, uh, of, of Inoki, but— at the same time, the comparison to Jumbo Sharuda as being the number two guy and next in line. But he, as a worker, he was absolutely tremendous. I think he's a guy, too, that probably could have come over to the U.S. and had a really strong run as a babyface. Uh, certainly the lack of English is probably the reason that that didn't occur. But I think his work, his work ethic it just phenomenal. I think he could, he would have gotten over with fans. You know, the, the only thing I will say about what you said about his lack of English, you know, as much as, you know, because I, I believe uh, in the mid Atlantic in the, like the mid seventies, maybe 70, he was Dr. Fujinami because apparently every guy that wrestled uh, had some sort of medical degree uh, from Japan, but he was Dr. Fujinami wrestled of course in the garden on more than one occasions. He uh, appeared in Florida. He did the match. Did he do a match against Mike Graham at the, yes, the sport for, for Star, for Star the, Wars 80, right? Yeah, international junior title. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he was a guy that spent time in the United States. So I can't put, you know, knowing the way that the Japanese were as far as sending their guys over, part of what they were doing was, I, I hate to put it this way, but it was like assimilating and, and learning the English language. I think that was part of it so that when they came back, you know, if they faced off against a, a guy from the United States, or an English-speaking guy, that they would be able to be uh, able to better communicate with the guy. So uh, I don't, you know, I wonder if uh, speaking English was as much of a hindrance to Fujinami as as maybe we think. So uh, anyway, Barry, next, I think it's time for us to talk. We haven't talked a little Seinfeld in a while. Barry, uh, you ready for a little Seinfeld talk, my man? I'm ready for a lot of Seinfeld talk. So Barry, I think it's pretty well established. You and I, big Seinfeld fans. Would you agree with that? Jeff, we're huge Seinfeld yes, fans. Yes, of course. So I came across an article from thebrag.com, top 10 legendary Seinfeld phrases that we still use today. Are you ready to take a look at them, my man? This sounds like this, this could be a lot of fun. Okay. So, and of course, you know, I don't know about you, Barry, but I am constantly, when I'm out with Mrs. Bowdrin, I'll say something like, something just like that happened in the Seinfeld episode. Life is a Seinfeld episode is something I always say to her. So, the first one, Barry Rose. And, and, and by the way, no particular order on these folks. Okay. So, you know. Number one, serenity now, serenity now, <laughs> Bear. Insanity later. Serenity now. So Lloyd Braun. Uh, yeah, I, that was a funny episode. Jeff, let me ask you a question, too. What do you think, uh, whether it's Mrs. Bowdrin or me or anybody, Sweet Lou, what do you think you're quoting the most, whether from television or movies? Where, what is it coming from? I know it, for me, it's Big Lebowski, without a doubt. But I do quote uh, Seinfeld a lot. You know, that's a wow. That's actually a really good question. Um, I, I, you know, I, I quote Lebowski. I, I quote, uh, you know, like, um, I will quote, uh, quote stuff from like the Will Ferrell movie, uh, the other guys and Step Brothers and things like that. But I, you know, Seinfeld, 
maybe Hogan's Heroes because you know that was such a huge wow. part of my life growing up. You know, I, I will you know I'll throw that out there every once in a while. Uh, but uh, so getting back to Serenity Now, coined by Frank Costanza in the season nine episode of the same title. The phrase is yelled by various characters throughout the episode as a mantra to quote, calm down. Barry, what do you think? Is this something that you occasionally will say, Serenity Now, Insanity Later? I've said, well, I, I've never said Insanity Later, but I have said Serenity Now, and then you always try to mimic Frank Costanza and say it in his voice, which is nearly impossible because he was so good. But I've said Serenity Now, and you know the funny thing is, whenever you hear the word Serene or Serenity, first thing that's going to pop into your head is Serenity Now. And you know the thing is, unfortunately, I have said this about, uh, let's just say, uh, in the depth and breadth of the Bowdrin family, there are various family members that I will say, you know, at some point it's going to be insanity later because it seems like they're pushing things off, pushing things off. And then of course, eventually, you know, you're going to have to face that. But next, Barry, I want you to do it in your finest thespian uh, word. We don't use very often here on Breaking KP with Bowdrin Barry, but Barry Rose thespian is it that? No, it's not thespian. It's thespian. Thank you. Uh, uh, correct that loop. Uh, anyway, Barry, say these pretzels <laughs> are making me thirsty. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Now, see, I wouldn't go there. I'd go. Pretzels are making me thirsty. And as we all know, Barry, of course, the Woody Allen film was being made, uh, you know, uh, and Kramer, of course, stumbles into uh, greatness as uh, he gets a walk-on part in a Woody Allen movie. Barry, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah, did you? Do, do pretzels make you thirsty in general too, Jeff? It depends on the salt to pretzel ratio. Yeah, pretzels make me thirsty. And I, uh, there's a couple of times. Let me tell you this too. There's a, I had a friend, Jeff. We're going to say I had a good friend. And he had, this is years ago, and he had smoked a little, little too much weed. He went into a bar Sat is down he a member of the uh, Facebook group Breaking KP with Bowdrin Barry? He actually he is actually oh, okay. He's a member of that group. Wait a minute, uh, Bruce Cohen? No, okay. No, it's not going to be Bruce Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the last guy in that group. That's uh, yeah. So well, he likes I, to eat. That's he why. does like to. I'll give you right. I don't know about the the smoking aspect. I don't see that, but he does. He loves his food, and I got to admit that is a. Uh, I love Bruce, and I think that's one of the great things. But my friend went into a bar. He sat down at the table. He ordered a beverage. The beverage didn't come. There was a bowl of pretzels, and he started to eat these pretzels. And it, rumor has it, if you if you have smoked marijuana, that it gives you some, something called cotton mouth or dry mouth. Really? Oh, that's what I've heard. I, and, do we need to bring Lou on for confirmation or disclaimer on that. I, you know, I don't know if he would know or not. He, he lives in the the capital. I mean you know, San Francisco, <laughs> California. My God. So my friend was eating these pretzels and waiting like 10 minutes for a drink. And I got to tell you, it was the worst experience my friend has ever had. Really? It's funny the way you put that. It's the worst experience. My, my friend, <laughs> exactly. it's almost like I might be onto something there, Barry. Right now, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so next Barry, yeah. I guess this would be the third one. Barry, what is your favorite holiday? Oh, it's probably, I mean, it really is a toss-up between Halloween and Festivus for me. Uh, Festivus for the rest of us, yes. Once again, the glory that was and is Frank Costanza 
he decided that Festivus, a secular holiday on the 23rd of December, that was created as an alternative to celebrate the holiday season without participating in the commercialization of Christmas. Now we'll begin the airing of grievances, Barry. <laughs> that oh. is that is a funny episode. And Frank, I mean, Jerry Stiller was literally was a national treasure. This guy was just incredible. And, you know, you can go back and he's been on television, you know, going back to when TV was black and white. And he has always been gold. He was the perfect choice in my eyes for Frank Costanza. But I'm thinking the Festivus episode in Serenity Now had to be near each other in the placement of episodes. It would have to be, right? I don't have I don't have the placement there, and they did, it's not listed in this article. But I would say you're probably pretty much on. Yeah. Uh, but a little trivia that came up uh, right now at this point. All right. Very. The father. Of Jerry in the show was played by an actor. I think his name was Barney. John. John. Well, the first father was John Randolph. Thank you. That's what I was going to ask you to see if you knew the answer to that gotcha. question. The second John Randolph. Yes. Barney. Uh, Barney Fife. Barney something. Lou. I think Barney Martin. Barney Martin. Okay. Barney Martin. Also, Liza Minnelli's father in Arthur. Oh well. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Solid trivia there. So yes. So uh, yes. Festivus next. Barry. When you uh, were in your uh, previous single and ready to mingle days, not necessarily uh, uh, now, because I know, of course, now I know you're keeping yourself a chast and, uh, you know, uh, without the benefit of the comfort of uh, the uh, the fairer sex. But back in the day, Barry, did you ever have a woman ask you the uh, important questions to decide if you were sponge worthy? Hmm. Did I ever get the actual questions? I don't think I ever did. The truth is you could talk to me for five minutes and probably size me up, Jeff. I'm an open book. So, so yeah, I, or, I, or did you just use the old method of, uh, I swear I'll pull out, you know, so ah, uh, she yeah. wouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, uh, the pullout factor actually was a very safe, I, I mean, certainly, you know, every doctor will tell you it's not a safe method. You don't want to do it. It's uh. But, uh, yeah, I, I was okay with the old pull-up method. And the, the irony of these sponges, if I'm correct, right, as that episode was airing or right before, they actually did pull all the sponges off the market. Like, that was based off of a true story. I never knew anybody that ever used the sponge, though. And even the, the thought of the sponge just sounds a little gross. Now, did you ever use the old, it's good for your skin? Uh, if you use <laughs> I just, still use that one. Come on. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it'll, it'll clear up any uh, residue. Anything. Uh, <laughs> sure. It's good for your insides. It's like exactly, aloe. It's a yes. miracle. So Whatever next, it is failing you. Yeah. <laughs> next, Barry, when you're going, say you have a, mm, let's say you have a nice uh, little, little cup of, uh, or bowl of salsa, and you have some, by the way, that's a great word, salsa. And, and you have you have some nice chips, and you're getting ready to to dip the chip into the salsa. Barry, have you ever, in the company of strangers, did the double dip? Absolutely sure that I have. I don't recall offhand, but there that is something I I think I probably would have tried to do and get away with. So yeah, I uh, I would say so. And I I do double dip if I'm with family. Uh, I was with Zach a week or a week or two ago. We were double dipping in chips and stuff, and uh, so it's I, like putting your whole mouth. In the dip. It is like putting <laughs> that guy. That guy was good. So he was the brother, right? Wasn't yes. he? The, yeah, he, he was he good. Had, he had some anger issues. <laughs> but he was really, really entertaining, too. And as you bring this up, this reminds me that salsa 
in an earlier episode, which I think was the season one, where George goes on for about five minutes with, is it salsa or salsa? And what happens if a Spanish person wants salsa? Do they call it salsa? Do you remember that? When they got the bus? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Barry, have you uh, ever been in a relationship with a either low or high talker or a closed talker? Yeah, I have actually. I didn't like it. It was a closed talker. And yes, I've had a closed talker before too. Oh man, it's uh, I the high talker. I mean, you know, if a woman wants to have a higher deep voice, I, I it's fine. The answer is yeah, but it's uh, I dated a closed talker. I hated that. I absolutely hated that. Uh, and to and make, God forbid they should be a closed talker and have uh, let me just say oh, breathal issues. That is bad. Oh, the other the other the girl that had that was a closed talker. She didn't have man hands. She had man feet. So you, well, what are you going like Rex Ryan there? You're checking out the feet. <laughs> so yeah. well, no, that, well, look to me, it's I, I would, I've always thought if you, you could tell somebody their cleanliness by the quality of their feet. And the, okay. this was a very attractive woman. She was a clothes talker, but when I looked at her feet, she had these big kind of, and she was gorgeous, big, fatty, meaty feet, like you would see on like, uh, like, 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 Tora <laughs> That's gonna be the title had. of this episode, big, fatty, feet. <laughs> like Tora Tanaka had back in the <laughs> yes. Yeah. When your girlfriend's feet are compared to the great Toro Tanaka, yeah. that is never a fucking good thing. <laughs> you got a big issue if that shit's happening. That's exactly, never, it's yeah. like you're going, Oh, yeah, I'm taking it home. I'm about ready to go to town. And you look at the feet and you think about Professor Tanaka. Something tells me you're losing your. You know, your will right there, if you will. So it's for delaying, though, it works because it, <laughs> yes. yeah, you want to hold on a little bit longer. Think about the good <laughs> professor and his legendary tag team with Mr. Fuji. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with Mr. Fuji. <laughs> you know, that, that is it reminds me that the whole low talker, close talker uh, conversation. Barry, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but of course, we like to be open and honest with our uh, our listening audience here. Very. uh when you're uh, you're in the uh, the midst of uh, the throes of your uh, yeah, dare I say, uh, romancing with a lady. Hey, do you favor is uh, Jerry ask uh, George one time? Hey, do you favor a little of the old uh, dirty talk sometimes? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. If it's a, and that is a key uh, because you know obviously I'm interviewing right now for that position. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. so the first oh, thing, gonna, yeah. you're going to like uh, you know like the Chili's. <laughs> Chili's. Yeah, I'm hitting. I'm I'm looking for an internship from a college campus right now. That's you know. I'm, yeah, Question I've number fourteen: Are you willing to toss my salad? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The definition of a rusty trombone. Do you yes. know it or not? Are you in favor of a Cleveland steamer? <laughs> we should oh. do a show just on those euphemisms. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, all right. Uh, next, Barry. Oh, have you ever? Oh, now this is one. Have you ever been the victim of a regift? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've been the and and I I have been the perpetrator, the the guy who did it. I have. <laughs> I, it's been both. both so you've ways. been the gifter and the giftee. Yes, sir. Yes, I. So have. I got a I got a good courthouse story. I I can't remember if I've told this one on the air before. Remind me if I had. We had. Uh, a former judge at the old Broward County Courthouse in Fort Lauderdale, uh, who was known for, uh, let's just say, his cheapness, okay? 
but this was like next level cheapness. So, of course, uh, every judge has their uh, their secretary, their assistant. Uh, in Broward County, they're called judicial assistants. And uh, this particular judge had a woman that has been his, uh, I'm going to uh, use the initials they use in the courthouse, the JA. Uh, been his JA for the better part of uh, like five or 10 years, okay? And uh, a woman that had been a judicial assistant with other judges before. So it came time for the holiday season, okay? And, uh, you know, traditionally, you give him something. You give him a, a friggin' Chili's gift card if you want, you know? Get him a MasterCard Visa American Express gift card, whatever. Give him something to show, you know, as they say, a little something for the effort. You know what I mean, Barry? Yeah. And so anyway, so uh, he comes uh, into work and he gives this woman a uh, gift basket. And it's a basket. Uh, I want to say you had some candies, uh, maybe some coffee, uh, something like that. You know, one of those kind of holiday baskets or whatever. And so then, oh, happy holidays. I want you to know how much I appreciate you, uh, your efforts. Da, da, da. And then he goes to court. Okay. Well, I don't know if she did this because she wanted to find out for her own, but she flips the basket on its side and checks the bottom of the basket. Now, just for the sake of argument, okay, let's just say this is 2021. This is this was many years ago. She looks, and of course, there's an expiration date there because you have, you know, food, perishables, and stuff like that. It was at that point she saw expired in 2019. The basket she had been given had expired like two or three years before that particular year. So this was not only a re-gift, this was a re-gift that had been sitting at home on his counter for like three fucking years. And this piece of garbage gave her like a gift that was too. <laughs> That's like next level cheap. That's bad. That's it's yeah, it's to me, it's bad if there is any hint that you are re-gifting something. So, you know, there are certain gifts uh, that, you know, look, they're still in their cellophane wrapper, you know, that somebody hasn't broken into it. You can give that. But if you're aware that you're being regifted, you know, like somebody got me a uh, a puzzle like uh, three years ago, four years ago. And it's like, you know, what the fuck? Do I look like a puzzle guy to you? Like, you know, it, it, has there ever been a conversation I've had that you would give me a puzzle? And it was clearly, you know, I looked underneath and well, I could Sudoku. see. <laughs> yeah, Sudoku's different, absolutely. But a puzzle, it's like, you know, what am I going to... I'm the kind of guy that sits home and does puzzles. I mean, come on now. So, yeah. And the worst thing about this was, this was a boss giving it to his employee. Right. Okay? right. And this was somebody, as a... I, I don't know what the salary is now, but at the time, I mean, you're talking about someone that was making probably at least, if not uh, the low, the, the floor on it was like 100 grand. Okay, probably making wow. more than that, but that was the lowest he was making. This wasn't somebody that was like, you know, running McDonald's and, you know, and gave a cheap gift to his, uh, you know, his minimum wage employee. This guy's a friggin' judge making 100 grand a year and he re gifts a fucking food basket because he's too cheap to go to Publix and pick up a friggin' food basket that's like a current food basket. Just absolutely yeah. amazing. Re-gift that is person. amazing. Yeah. That okay, is amazing. Barry, have you ever been accused? Of being pro dentist or anti dentite. Oh, Barry, the anti dentite ex- episode, which is interesting because I had a conversation with a dentist today. I was at the swimming pool. It's like ninety degrees in uh, in Pennsylvania, so I hit the old swimming pool and uh, I happened to talk to a uh, a dentist for about an hour. I wanted to talk about anything, but he wanted to talk about dental stuff for an hour. 
which receding was receding gums, those those sort of issues. No, it was more insurance issues, which I oh. had interest in for about three minutes. Gotcha. And then the other fifty-seven, I was clearly looking at the birds flying in the air. Have I ever been? I I no, I don't think I ever have. The dentist to me has always been a little uh, a little unusual. I you know I've had. Uh, mixed relationships with dentists, but uh, I was scared of the dentist for years, but no longer. I actually have a good relationship with my current dentist. I will say that one of the things that, again, this might be something I've mentioned in the past. One of the things I really regret is that my mom and dad, when they were in the military and I could get dental work done for free, did not have that done. So, you know, I have uh, teeth that, that when I smile, I'm occasionally uh, not... Uh, proud of the smile that I have uh, because, you know, at some point you get there and you're like, yeah, fuck it. I don't want to get braces. Now my brother, like within the last five years and he's older than me, uh, got the Invisaligns and, you know, took care of that. But uh, I don't know when you, when you start hitting your late fifties, do you really want to go with the Invisaligns? Eh, you know, I don't know. I don't However, know. Barry, yeah. one thing that you and I both know, well, I won't say we both know about, we've, we've heard of this phenomenon, Barry, All because right. Certainly, we are two masculine men who have never had to deal with the shame of going into the pool, Barry, and having <laughs> shrinkage. Yeah. Neither one of us, I know, have never dealt with that issue, have we, Mr. Rose? So, ah, shit, 92? No, no, you know what? 93, 94... I went, I was, uh, I was working Jeff in a restaurant, but not in New York city. It was a restaurant mm. in South a server or manager. I was a server at the, okay. at that stage. That was just before I flipped over to manager and I was with another food server. And then we were with two female food servers oh, and we employees always, of yours. What'd you say? Were they your employees? No, I was still a waiter at that point. Oh, so okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I was, I, I was hoping you were taking manager, advantage. I, I still would have, absolutely. Uh, well, no, I was hoping you weren't going to take advantage of your, you know, authority <laughs> position. To, uh, All right, oh, would you like to go out with your manager? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, we were going skinny dipping, and the girls immediately took off all their clothes got and stood there and got That's in the awesome. pool. And I looked at the guy next to me, and I'm like, fuck, we got to go in. And he's like, yeah, we're going He had no problem. I'm sitting there and immediately I'm trying to chub up. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I'm like, it's, I'm and it was cold. I have, a, I have a story just like this. Go ahead. Yeah, it was cold. It was actually cold out. It was probably January or February. It was 50 degrees. And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to take, and there's not, you're not going to be able to see anything. There's going to be nothing there from shrinkage. Well, was this, uh, we're talking about Seinfeld, but was your, hesitancy to go into the pool, much like Chevy Chase in, uh, in vacation, you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in, I'm going in, you know, with, uh, you know, you're but down for there. Me, with... It was just the fact that the water was going to be like, you know, 50 degrees. Oh, like, okay. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. I think Chevy was more worried about, uh, Mrs. Uh, that could have been a problem, you know, yeah. uh, Clark, Clark. Uh, anyway, my story of a similar nature, very, uh, deals with a, dare I say a collateral issue that occasionally will come up uh, during time of romance. Uh, and that is, I had the occasion, uh, let's see, what are we talking about here? We are going back to uh, summer of 83. And uh, I was uh, I was dating a, a young lady named Linda, who was, uh, 
Uh, you, you ever look back and you think to yourself, you know, you, you categorize old girlfriends and you and you say, uh, what was this one? What was she? She was the biggest drinker I've, I think I've ever dated. Uh, Ooh, she, is that good or bad, though? Well, you know, it, it has its good moments, but it also has its bad moments when she gets stupid drunk, you know. Ooh. But anyway, so uh, we went I went over to uh, Linda's place and uh, Linda, uh, we oh, let's go down by the pool uh, whereupon the clothes were removed. We were uh, in the pool, uh, enjoying each other, frolicking, if you will, when uh, apparently the uh, the development security guard came upon the scene. Oh, there you go. So we are doing uh, the uh, hiding under the sort of the little overhang on the pool, uh, hoping that this guy doesn't uh, walk, because, you know, the pool, a darkened area, you know. And so, uh, so we're trying desperately to uh to try to hide from this guy he does not see us uh, amazingly or he saw us and just chose not to do anything uh but anyway uh so when we're getting out of the pool and uh the uh, romantic intentions uh continue i uh, uh suffered from something barry i'm going to ask you if you've ever suffered from this malady barry have you ever suffered from what is known commonly as the p hard on <laughs> so Jeff, you're I not alone. Buck naked by the pool, getting sure. ready to go to town. Yeah. And I got to take a wicked piss. And I'm like, I'll be right back. And then I get there and I got the pee hard on. I got shy kidneys. I'm getting the, are you almost done? Come back. And I'm like, ooh, let's go. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let, uh, Barry, have you ever suffered from that? Absolutely. Jeff, I don't think that you're going to find one male alive. That is not whether, especially when you're young, when you're, you know, 18, 20, whatever, where you're waking up first thing in the morning and you have to piss, but you got the heart on. It's a, that's a normal, uh, that's a normal thing. As we get older, we, we kind of pray for that to happen at times, which it doesn't. But uh, as a kid, I mean, all the time you'd wake up with a boner and you, but you got to piss. So yeah, the P heart and the hardest part of the P heart on is trying to aim correctly. Because uh, it's like it's like a crazy like fire hose where it just it's like uh, Jim shoot Carrey. Everywhere. It's like Jim Carrey and me, myself, and Irene when he goes to the bathroom in the morning after uh, with Irene and uh, Renee Zellweger, and uh, he basically sprays the entirety of the bathroom wall. Uh, so anyway, next Barry on our Seinfeld references we still use today, it's the yada yada yada, yada yada yada. So yeah, I actually have just you ever yada yada? I have. I have. Uh, I yada yadded. I, I definitely, I think the entire world right after that episode aired yada yadded. But occasionally, I'll start to tell a story, and I, I can just, I, I do it differently. I can see if somebody is phasing out because I'm boring the shit out of them, I'll just go yada yada yada, something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah totally I different came, than what you. I was came doing. back from uh, trying to get rid of my pee uh, hard on and uh, by the pool and uh, and yada yada yada. yada, yada. And so I, I did want to bring back something because I, I I started thinking about this and uh, it really got me. We were I believe we were talking about the uh, the sponge worthy aspect and we started talking about uh, a couple different things there and we got into the whole uh, dirty talk thing. So I have this story uh, and it's not about me, thank God, uh, but it reminded me of someone that I knew. Who's not a member of the group, by the way. So one day at work, we're sitting down and we're talking about, uh, you know, different, you know, different things at the old lunch table in the lunchroom. And there's like maybe 10 people in the room. OK, so this one guy who worked in my office, uh, who I will say, and I only say this because it sort of played into what the discussion evolved into. Uh, he was uh, Catholic, but very Catholic. OK, you have people that are sort of Catholic. 
And then you have uh, your hardcore Catholics, okay? So this guy was pretty hardcore Catholic. Now, the reason I bring this up is apparently one of the ladies at work had decided that she was going to throw uh, one of these parties that the ladies throw where uh, you will be able to purchase, and it's a party for ladies, let's be honest, uh, your uh, sexual uh, stimulation devices, Barry, you get my drift there? Nice. Yes, I do. And so uh, so anyway, uh, you know, so this woman was talking about, oh, here's what's going to be available. You can get your uh, <clears throat> your rabbits, uh, as they call them. Uh, I, I, you know, let's be honest, I don't think they were selling the 24-inch uh, double dong, <laughs> Darn. you know, uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure the anal beads were going to be out there, <laughs> but yeah, they were selling your basic uh, enhancement devices. Okay, maybe some uh, uh, your uh, your uh, your oils, uh, you know, something like that. It wasn't too raunchy, is my is my way of Darn. putting it. And I'm yeah. I'm saying that for a reason because so she tried to ask this guy, hey, w- would your wife be interested in coming to this? It's a lot of fun, and you know, it's like you know, it's women getting together and and you know having fun, laughing, and getting a little dirty. And it's really, it's pretty innocent, I think, comparatively speaking, okay? So he was asked, would you like to mention this to your wife? We'd love to have her come and she'll have fun. He says, no, I I don't want her uh, to go there. Why not? He says, well, quite frankly, I don't want my wife being aroused by anything else but me. Yeah, good luck, buddy. So immediately, I, of course, jump into the conversation as, you know, I am wont to do. Uh, this is before I had a podcast, but, you know, I still uh, practiced on uh, these kind of subjects. And I said, uh, hey, let me ask you a question here. You're saying that you don't want anything else but you getting your wife off? And he goes, nope, nope. And, and, and my initial thought process was, What you fucking know, hole are you living in, mister? No, no. It's <laughs> no. like, I was like, you know, if you can find anything if it's a fucking cucumber or a carrot or something that will enhance what's happening to your wife to get her further aroused to get her further off why are you turning your nose up at that what why are you saying no to that you know if you want to get her to that next level where she's going to do something really freaky deaky why would you pass that up i don't understand that barry and what and what was the response to that question? Well, you no, know, nope. I don't want to do that. I, uh, you know, and, and again, I don't know if it's like a whole religious thing where he didn't, you know. I, I mean, this the way I'm looking at it was a one position marriage. You know, Ugh, it was yeah. like you know, it's like the old uh, what's the old Don Rickles joke about his wife? You know, uh, are you done yet? And that's that's had to be what the relationship was like. Yeah, and then he's under the impression, or he's being told, or certainly whatever. Yes, the, you're fantastic. No one's ever fan- been better. Yeah, but yeah, but you know she's off masturbating somewhere with you know. Yeah, that guy. Well, he really missed out. You've got a woman, you know, especially uh, you've got a woman that is uh, into sexual exploration. Fucking buckle in and go for the ride, my friend. Well, I, and I, you know, a completely different person. This one of the female variety told me uh, at the time that she had this conversation with me, she had divorced her husband. Uh, they had gotten divorced. Uh, he was cheating on her, a good guy. And uh, But she said, you know, uh, so I, we were talking about it one day, and I said, well, can I ask you a question? Uh, you know, like before he was cheating, were you, you guys having problems? You know, uh, you, you don't want to get too personal with a woman uh, as a guy, but you kind of sure. try to, you know, bad euphemism, beat around the bush. <laughs> but anyway, hey. so, but, so I said, well, were you guys having problems? Uh, you know, was there some sort of uh, non-compatibility thing going on there? And she said, no. She goes, as a matter of fact, to enhance 
Think about this, Barry, what I'm about to tell you. She goes, to enhance our sex life, I volunteered, why don't we get some pornography and play it while we're in bed to learn new techniques and new things we can do to one another? He said, no. Oy. I said, is he, is he gay? Uh, you know, uh, maybe he <laughs> had a sexual male's first response. Exactly. Yeah, yes, is he gay? <laughs> yes. No, I, it's like, you know, if he's a heterosexual male, his first response should have been, I'll be right back. I'm going to the store. Yeah. And he's going to pick up about five to uh, 150. No, I mean, your response, your heterosexual no. response. The first thing we're going to, we're going to say, oh, is he gay? So let me ask you a question. I, without, we don't want to reveal who this young lady is. But I think I know who this is, Jeff, because we've just not this aspect, but about her husband cheating on her. I have met this young woman, if I'm correct. Right. A minute. Think about it. Think about Georgia two, three years ago. Uh, was she yeah. was she there? No, she wasn't at the wedding. No, no. This was somebody I knew in South Florida. Oh, well, well, this was this person came up from South Florida. No, no, the, 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 no. This was somebody who uh, who worked at the courthouse with me at a different satellite. OK, because you the second I was done talking to this person. What's the what's I, the remember the person's initials? First is a and the second is S. No, it was not her. OK, and the reason no, I met because the second no, no, I know who you're talking about. But it yeah, was the her. second I was done talking with her, you basically said it, she's she's beautiful. She's got a good personality. Her husband was cheating on her, and they broke up. Yeah. And that's exactly what you had told me. So that's interesting that they're yeah. Because that that's person, the case. As since we're on a whole sexual topic now, sure. that particular individual. Uh, funny conversation about her because I told her when she broke up with her husband, uh, I said, okay. I said, now think about it. Now you have to. Uh, you're going to meet somebody, and you're going to have sex with somebody new. And she had been with her husband for 25, 30 years, whatever. And she was like, oh, my God, I hadn't even thought about that. I'm like, yep. And I said, and trust me, the first time you have sex with somebody new, it's going to be amazing because it's with somebody new. And you're going to be going, wow, this is different. And I fucking love it. And I said, and you're going to text me and tell me that's what happened. And I want to say about six months later, I got a text from her middle of, you know, one night. I get a text from her out of, out of the blue. You were right. <laughs> I, said, I knew it. I That's knew awesome. it. I knew it. No, that was not that person. This was right. a completely different uh, younger lady uh, who told me that. So, uh, you know, let me just put this out there on behalf of Barry and myself. And I'm going to guess Sweet Lou is in on this with me, too. If your wife, in the uh, midst of a romance type situation, says to you something along the lines of, why don't we watch some pornography to help enhance our sexual desire for one another? Don't say no. Absolutely. Jeff, I had a girlfriend and this oh, was okay. 19. We're not out, Lou. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Oh, okay. I Shit. thought you were done. <laughs> no. I can wrap it up. I mean, fuck, I can go all day. Or you're, 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 five, you're five tissues deep at this point. I'm <laughs> ready to, I got a roll of paper towels next to me. I'm ready to party. But uh, I was dating a young the lady. Picker upper. <laughs> yeah, the sponge. Exactly. I was dating a young lady in 1989 that requested, why don't we watch pornography together? And this was the funny, and I was all about it. Look, I didn't, I had no shame at all. So I was like, sure, this will be great. And the funny thing was whatever I put on apparently did not arouse her. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she, yeah, I could tell immediately. You put on the long dong silver and she she turns and looks at you and goes, Eh, I'm going to go. Yeah, it was like, 
we were actually like living together and it was uh yeah it was just it was a very unusual she was like yeah that's probably not what i was so then i you know I, realizing i had to further the conversation there's so many jokes i could i could take this in uh, so many oh, different directions there's a million but i basically told her i said what kind and they, these this was the day before days before the internet so it isn't like I could just pull something up on an iPad. You know, you had to have the video in your DVDs at this stage. You had to have a fucking video. You're going video. through the catalog with her. Uh, yeah. So I'm like this. fisting 14. <laughs> That's what it was. She didn't like it. Can you believe it? <laughs> right. What kind of woman is this that doesn't like that? Oh, yeah. Man. So, yeah. Good times, though, Jeff. Good times. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> Barry, once again, I know that a good food-related topic always gets the hackles on the back of Barry Rose's neck up and out and listening. Barry, are you ready to discuss top 10 ice cream flavors? Now, here, let me just say, hey, we're not going to have your uh, your avocado or, or your, like, you know, special foo-foo ice cream that occasionally you have indicated that you like. Yes. No, this is God's ice cream as he intended it. <laughs> and, and so, like, we're going to discuss that. Okay, uh, let's get uh, right, right to the bottom of the All list right. here. Uh, let's see. Um, do, 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 do. I'm going to start off with, uh, like, around 20. I will just skip ahead here and there as we have 25 selections. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Uh, you ever tried Moose Tracks ice cream, Barry? I have so it's extremely popular locally in uh It's in number 24 on this list, mister. Yeah, because I don't think nationally, but in uh locally, yeah, it's uh, that Moose Tracks are good. It's uh, chocolate based generally, right? Yes. And, yeah. and uh, 23 butter pecan. How is butter pecan this low rated? I, that's a that's a a supermarket staple for a good quality ice cream berry. And it by the way, true. what is your favorite national brand of ice cream? It's probably Jen, Jen and Berry's. Uh, yes, and, uh, and yeah. you obviously got the uh, the connection there. Yeah, uh, it's Ben that. and Jerry's. It's uh, it, I would imagine that's probably my favorite. We've got a couple local companies too that do uh, a nice job. Butter pecan that that's a low number. That's because uh, when butter pecan is is on, if it's not if it's a good brand of ice cream, uh, butter pecan is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's uh, a little bit low. Let me just uh, re- hey, vanilla. French vanilla at 21. That is a little low for me, Barry. Uh, let me just scroll right here to, uh, uh, let me see, till we get to uh, some uh, better known one. Uh, 17, mint. Do you like a good mint ice cream? Fucking, I, I hate mint ice cream with a passion. Of course, my kids, if they go, if it's, if it's not cookies and cream for Zoe, she's going to go with mint something like chocolate mint. Zach, every time we'll do a, uh, a chocolate chip mint ice cream. Number to twelve. Me, I can't. Chocolate I can't chip, Barry. Chocolate chip is number twelve. You can inform Zach of that. So let's get to the top ten, All Barry. Right. Oh, this is a new one. This is shooting up the charts with a bullet. Uh, to quote Casey Kasem, number ten, Barry, birthday cake ice cream. Yeah, not a fan. Hey, you know, it, it, uh, just get yourself a nice birthday cake. Available at fine grocery stores everywhere. Publix, they make a delightful birthday cake. They do. Why do you need it as part of your ice cream? You get a scoop of vanilla. You get a lovely. Uh, and by the way, yeah, you got to have the buttercream frosting. Don't be getting none of that, uh, what, what do you call the dietetic uh, uh, topping for your cake, whatever. Uh, get your good solid buttercream. That's going to make your fucking blood sugar sky. I'm going gonna- to I'm going to throw one at you, Jeff. So you were talking about foo-foo flavors of ice cream. And I have brought up avocado and cucumber and that kind of stuff. 
I went to a Greek restaurant two weeks ago, Jeff, and they had baklava ice cream. Now, have you ever, do you like baklava? I have had baklava before. Fan or no, not a fan? No, 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 it was good. Gotcha. So the, this ice cream was, I mean, I was just, this was the greatest thing I've ever had, right? So I, I asked, I asked the waitress, who's also the owner, and I said, how did you come up with baklava ice cream? And she goes, oh, very simple. She goes, I take pistachio ice cream, and then I take a piece of baklava, and I mix it all up. It's like genius. All right. There you go. Number nine, a fan of, uh, of, of this ice cream, Mrs. Bowdrenberry, a fan of the Neapolitan. What about yourself? Yeah, you know why? Because it's so you just mentioned like French vanilla, and I'm not somebody that's going to go out and say, give me a scoop of an, or as my dad used to say, give me a dip of vanilla. I always thought uh, the Midwest yeah, between the, p- the the pinch and gum uh, between your cheek and gum. Yeah, I'll take a little <laughs> dip. So, uh, so the good thing about about Neapolitan is you can get a little vanilla, you can get a little chocolate, you can get a little strawberry. Uh, it's a nice little mix- something for everybody. Yeah, I like that, especially for me. I've got several different personalities, so it all works out. Well, good. I hope they all talk to one another. So <laughs> number do. eight, Barry, I, I'm a fan of this. Yes. Not uh, in my top three, but I, uh, I've always enjoyed a good Rocky Road. Yeah, I like Rocky Road. I, I, you put in, so you're touching on something now. Marshmallow and ice cream is a big favorite of mine. So yes. Uh, is somebody commenting here, kind of funny. Uh, chocolate ice cream is essentially Rocky Road without the marshmallows and almonds. So, you know. <laughs> yes. Exactly I'll go with that. Yes. So number seven, Barry, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. I'm out. No, I got. Yeah, you know, I, I like if I'm making, uh, you know, uh, at home, uh, I'm making a little chocolate chip cookie action. Am I gonna like look around, make sure no one's watching, and maybe snag me a little spoonful of the chocolate chip cookie dough? Absolutely. Do I want it my ice cream? Not particularly. I'll just make chocolate chip cookies if I want cookie dough. That's the way I feel, Bear. Yeah, I think I, I kind of agree with that as well. It doesn't, uh, just for some reason, the whole cookie dough deal, I just never bought into. It doesn't do a thing for me. So number six, the aforementioned strawberry ice cream all by its lonesome berry. Do you like a good strawberry ice cream cone all by I its do. lonesome? And, and so this, is, this to me is a, uh, and, and I know that there's different types of chocolate ice cream and vanilla ice cream, but if you get a really good strawberry ice cream, especially... It, during the summer months, if you go to a uh, like a place that where you can pick your own strawberries and that kind of shit, they almost always have some sort of a stand or a store where they're selling either strawberry ice cream or strawberry milkshakes. And when it's homemade, homemade strawberry ice cream might be one of the greatest things on earth. On earth? On on this earth? Yes, on this okay. one. Well, is there a second earth that well, we don't you know, know about? Just in case, I don't know. Earth too. <laughs> Earth yeah. 2 uh, may have a better strawberry ice cream product than Earth <laughs> 1, but yes. just checking. So uh, so here again at number five, we're getting into uh, splitting uh, splitting hairs here. As This is not chocolate chip cookie dough. It's just regular cookie dough. And I, I feel like they didn't need to split these into two different, uh, you know, candidates. No, I, I think and I think what we're seeing now that this is a this is a biased list by the person that came up with it and putting on two different types of cookie dough. One Friggin' racist, chips. that's what they are. Yeah, one has chocolate chips and one doesn't. You got to give them separate entries for this? Come on now. Yeah. And again, I like a good uh, cookie dough. You know, whether it's chocolate chip, whether it's uh, your uh, oatmeal, whether it's your peanut butter cookie, I- I'm all in favor of uh, taking a little spoonful of the cookie dough. 
You know, back when I was a kid, my mom would say, oh, it's going to, you know, you're going to get an intestinal virus from that yeah. or something like that. So the uh, eggs and everything. Number four, Barry, oh, it's good old plain old chocolate ice cream. What do you think? Yeah, good old plain old chocolate ice cream is uh, is good. Again, there's hundreds, if not thousands of different varieties of chocolate ice cream out there. There used to be one that I used to get at Baskin Robbins. And Baskin Robbins, you don't see, maybe in the Midwest or, you know, in smaller towns maybe, but Really, you don't see Baskin Robbins like you used to 20 and 30 and 40 years ago, but they would do this one chocolate that was arguably the richest, darkest chocolate. And I don't like dark chocolate, but nice cream I do. And uh, it was phenomenal. World-class chocolate, I think it was called. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to point out here, uh, since they mentioned it uh, here in the article, uh, Ben and Jerry's chocolate fudge brownie ice cream. Mm. Oh, Barry, that's a that's a heap of a lot of goodness. And you reminded me when you're talking about uh, uh, the uh, Baskin Robbins, Barry. Uh, you remember back in the day, Carvel ice cream, Tom Carvel, and uh, you know Fudgy the Whale. Did you ever see those commercials back in the day? This is Tom Carvel coming to you. Yeah, I used. To I want to tell you about our special with Fudgy, we got the, Fudgy whale. the Whale. <laughs> he was Fudgy the off. Whale. <laughs> First time in all these episodes we've ever had a Tom Carvel reference. Oh, he was the best. Yep. Uh, now, meanwhile, out there are people out there going, "Who the fuck is this Tom Carvel they're talking about?" But he Actually, was a, Bruce Cohen knows Carvel ice cream. He's talked about it. So yeah, yeah, he was a uh, an ice cream entrepreneur. I, was he local or was it like a national product at the time? Well, it was national. I want to say he was from Jersey or New York. He was from the Northeast somewhere. He was uh, Greek, and he's—I think he was the first, the first guy to go national, the first national ice cream chain, if I'm correct. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he used to sell these specialty cakes, and they would make a cake in the shape of a whale, and he called it Fudgy the Whale, and uh, he Fudgy. would put a uh, Fudgy the Whale. Yeah. So, so here again, splitting hairs. Very earlier, I talked about. How can you have French vanilla that low when at number three, it's just regular old vanilla? What the fuck's the difference? What are, what are these Frenchies doing that makes uh, their <laughs> vanilla slightly less than regular right. vanilla? Yeah, well, okay, I, I can go with that. Usually, you're right, they're always going to put the French, up, uh, French shit up a little bit higher, but I, I don't think we needed to really differentiate between French and regular vanilla. Granted, there is a different taste. It's a different color. French vanilla is a little yellower. And regular vanilla is not like regular vanilla to me would be soft serve Dairy Queen. And the French vanilla gets this. Uh, I guess I prefer French vanilla, but I don't know. I don't, again, I don't think you needed to split it up. Yeah, and vanilla is like, you know, for people that always says, oh, you got 155 flavors of ice cream and you go and you get the vanilla. There's nothing wrong with vanilla. Not you if know. you want it. Yeah. No. I mean, so if you're looking for quality ice cream, now, uh, berry number two, I'm going to guess. That because of your, uh, shall I say, exotic taste uh, in more than just ice cream, boom. Number two, mint chocolate chip berry. Are you a fan? I hate. Really? I hate mint ice cream. So if you could put chocolate in it, and to me, it's like brushing your teeth with a fucking Hershey bar. I, uh, it's it putting does. lipstick on the proverbial pig. Is that what you're saying, yeah, Barry? I just don't. Uh, I don't. To me, mint is, uh, it's great for toothpaste. It's great if I want to keep my breath fresh, but it's not like that I want to important. Eat. It is, well, it's, yeah, it is actually really important. You have a nice important. bowl of pasta. You want to have a nice, uh, you know, minty freshness to your breath after the pasta. I will tell you, I find myself lately brushing my teeth five times a day. 
as opposed to the old days, you know, when I was married, where I was doing, <laughs> you know, here's my breath. Fuck yeah, it. Exactly. I'll pop in once in a while. Go, yeah, I'll go brush. What the hell? Sure. Why not? Now <laughs> well, it's like literally there's like, a film on my teeth. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I probably should take care of that. Uh, you know, <laughs> every, yeah. every 90 minutes now I'm in the bathroom brushing. So yeah, but it's, uh, you're in the bathroom. Oh, brushing. I'm sorry. I brushing. Not my hair either, Jeff. Well, okay. okay so, know. Yeah. Number one, Barry. Now this is a popular choice with me because a, a big favorite of mine. Oh, Barry cookies and cream. You can't go wrong with that. Just I again, cookies and cream, mint, whether they're together, separate, I have zero desire. It doesn't do really? it. Really? You don't like yeah. a good cookies and cream? Yeah. You know, little uh, Oreo cookie in there with your ice cream? Yeah. yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't really. I don't. And again, okay, like, I got I to be honest with you. At this point, yeah. I am uh, after over, oh, geez, 190 <laughs> episodes. I'm questioning whether or not you should be my co host at this point. Because, and the man that says that, no, mint chocolate chip, I'm fine with that. All right. But when you say no to cookies and cream, my friend, we have got a problem, and I'm just going to put it out there for you. All right. Well, how about this? How about I'll compromise with you? I had Zoe. Again, Zoe is my go-to when it comes to ice cream. She seems to be the one shoving you in certain directions. She is. And she bought, I believe at our local Target Superstore, she bought a cookies and cream ice cream that came from the Cheesecake Factory. Mm. And it's essentially it's cookies and cream cheesecake put into ice cream form. I do have to admit that was pretty good, but it was more for the cheesecake flavor of the ice cream. So let me ask you, do you like, well, you know, we were talking Carvel and Baskin Robbins. Do you like the ice cream cakes? Yeah. You know, if again, if I never they, had they it, got the, the fine Oreo, uh, uh, Bottom there, you know, like uh, that, that they put the ice cream on top. <sighs> to me, that's just delicious. You like that? You like the whipped cream? I like that whipped cream when it gets like a little hardened and becomes frozen. But it, I don't know. I, I think if I never had another piece of ice cream cake, I probably would be okay. Wouldn't be a big deal. But if you put one in front of me right now, I would eat it absolutely. So, Mary, I think that about does it for another week of Breaking Cafe with Dr. Barry, the three best friends you did not know you had. What do you say, my man? I think you're right, and uh, I'm excited. So you're on vacation. Sweet Lou is on vacation. I'm back from my three weeks on vacation, deep into work now. I'm envious of you and the sweet man, Jeff. Well, what can I say? So we are closing in on that magical 200th episode, Barry. Yes, and we have already, uh, negotiations have uh, been ongoing. Uh, contracts have been signed, uh, not in pencil, but in pen. We have, I believe, Barry, can we confirm? I'm not going to say who, but we have our guest lined up for that 200th episode. We do have our guest, and it's uh, it's going to be a good guest, Jeff. I Just in my conversations with him, the, the knowledge and the stories he's dropped, Stuff that's never been heard before also. I don't think he's ever done a podcast appearance, so I'm kind of excited for it. Yeah, never a guy who uh, has uh, spent time in the rings of Memphis, a guy who spent time in the rings in Florida, and a guy that has uh, great stories about both those promotions, and besides all that, a a good dude. And so uh, that kind of combination is one I like working with there. Yeah, absolutely, too. Really good dude, and somebody that you and I have known for 30-plus years, probably. So uh, I'm really excited that that he is going to be on the show. And I guess there's the first hint. He's a, he's a he. Uh, 
Sorry. I guess, I guess that means that the uh, Judy uh, Martin uh, part two will not be uh, for <laughs> She was a great so, guest, too, though. Jeff. She was. She was fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, on behalf of our producer, the sweet man, Lou Kippelman, and my co-host, uh, Barry Rose, they call me the booker, Jeff Baldrin, and Breaking Cafe with Baldrin and Barry, a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. We're out, Lou!